What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Big Show Podcast, brought to you by all three of the boys this week. We've got Ethan, we've got Corey, you've got myself as your hosts and your guides through all things Big Ten football this week. And things just getting shook up, man. The Big Ten West is shook. College football is shook. I am shook watching these teams play football. It's absolutely crazy. If you like what you hear, please leave reviews and subscribe on Apple, follow us on Spotify, whatever you got to do to help us out. It is greatly appreciated. So without wasting any time, let's get into these CFP rankings. We record on Tuesdays. They just came out. We're processing. We're marinating. We're looking at this. And let's see. Initial reactions. Who wants to go first? Just right off the cuff. Ethan, what what have you got? Or no, Corey. Corey, what do you got? I mean, the top four is not changing. I think we all kind of expected that. Uh, kudos to TCU. Huge win. Huge game at the biggest stage. College game day was there in, in Texas. Uh, Texas is not back. Uh, and has not been back for seemingly 30 years. Um, and Texas Christian is the Cinderella of this year's college football playoff. There's there's usually one team <clears throat> every year that you don't expect to be in, and then they figure out a way to be in there close to the end of the year. And personally, I think, and this is my statement, even if TCU finishes with one loss, if they are the Big 12 champion, I think they get in. So let's uh, let everyone know what the important rankings are in terms of who's where. So I'll give the top 10 really quick. Actually, I'll give the top 11 because at 11, we've got Penn State just outside the top 10. At 10 is Utah. Nine is Clemson. Eight is Bama. Seven is USC. Six is LSU. Five is Tennessee. Four is the Cinderella TCU. Three is Michigan. Two is Ohio State. And one is Georgia. So the top four, like you said, as expected, uh, for the Big Ten, Illinois choked this weekend and fell out of the CFP top 25. So Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State are the only ones representing for the Big Ten right now. Uh, Corey, I know you said you think TCU gets in as long as they're no more than one loss Big 12 champs. Ethan, what do you think about TCU if they were to lose one game and still be a Big 12 if champion. TCU loses a game, they're out. It's just as simple as that. If they, they can't afford to lose a game. And it, it would have been, uh, I would say the same thing if it were, you know, Oregon State or something like that. It, it just, <clears throat> they just cannot get in with a loss. I, I really, really think the committee is trying to do everything they can right now to set up the SEC to get two teams in. And now with Oregon and UCLA both losing last week, I think they're doing everything they can to make it as possible as possible. I know that's a weird way to say that, but to make it possible for Michigan and Ohio state to get in as well. And I really do think, I think a one loss Michigan or Ohio state gets in over a one loss big 12 champ TCU. I absolutely do believe that. And and same thing is going to happen. The same thing is going to happen with Tennessee. 
Tennessee is not is not going to go to the SEC championship game. They're going to be one loss, and they're going to get in. And uh, I'm I'm telling you right now, the college football committee is showing you how much they value TCU by putting them still at number four after a big win over Texas. They didn't jump anybody. They are waiting to drop them down to like number nine or something like that with a loss. It's it's the same thing that's going on with look at you look at <clears throat> look at you look at yeah. Clemson. They did they, it with they, Clemson. Clemson lost one game and went from CFP out of to the top ten backside. Of yeah, the out of the top ten. And then you have so you have the possibility. Oh, first of all, there's just something I wanted to point out. Everybody's talking about strength of schedule and blah blah blah. How many? So out of the top 10 teams, what team has the most top 25 wins and how many is it? I think it's TCU, isn't it? With how many? Three. Incorrect. Two. There are one, two, three, four teams tied with two top 25 wins inside the top 10. Nobody has played anybody this year. And Tennessee has two top 10 wins. They have beaten Alabama, and they have beaten who? LSU. LSU. They've beaten both of them. They throttled LSU. Ohio State has beaten one Penn State. Michigan, one Penn State. And then you have Georgia with two, but we know Georgia's in. And then you do have TCU with two. However, TCU is scheduled outside of the Big 12 and they cannot like a game on the road against Baylor. You can't lose to Baylor and get into the college football playoff. Everyone else will have a better loss than you will. It's just all right, Corey. So what's your what's your what's your rebuttal? What's your case for TCU getting in as a one loss Big Twelve? Are we champ? just assuming that conference championships mean nothing? Essentially, yeah. I, I'm I am operating under that assumption to the college football playoff committee. I am not telling you that I agree I with this. Committee... I think it is what the committee will do because the committee is going to do what they always do at the end of the season. Everything plays out and everything this that, and then last playoff rankings, all they use is the eye test to put teams in. That's it. Okay, so I have to ask a question before I get further. Do you think if everything goes the way it's you think it's supposed to go, everything holds, and Ohio State beats Michigan at the end of the year, your college football playoff, don't care about the order, is Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and Michigan? That's what you think? If, if TCU, if TCU, if TCU if, wins out, they're in. Correct. But if TCU does somehow have a loss and also wins the Big 12 somehow, Mm-hmm you think it's those four teams, correct? Yes, I do. Okay, right. so with that, Michigan would have one ranked win the whole season, and that is against Penn State, who, by the way, is outside of the top ten right now. Penn State is a worse team, as as it is right now, behind Clemson. So everyone's saying, oh, Clemson is weak, they didn't have a great schedule, blah, 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 they're not very good. Well, the committee thinks Clemson is a better team than Penn State. So your, your argument with TCU saying that they haven't played anybody in the non-conference. Michigan's non-conference schedule wasn't very strong at either. I, and UConn, Corey, UConn's I bowl agree eligible. With I agree with you. Let him, let him go. Let him UConn go, let him is go. bowl eligible. I get that. But no one is like, oh, UConn was, was a powerhouse sort of a thing. But 
if your argument is a TCU who is a one-loss conference champion isn't going to get in because they haven't played anybody in their non-conference, and you're putting it up against a Michigan whose only uh, whose only ranked win was against Penn State, who's outside of the top ten as it stands right now, I, I just don't see how that adds up. Frank, also, I'm also I assuming think... timeout. I need to add a couple of things to what you're saying because you're painting a picture that looks very good for your side of the argument. However, if Michigan were to go into Columbus and lose that game by a point, two points, three points, less than a touchdown, it's a very close game. You see that the teams are very evenly matched. The playoff committee is going to do what they always do and take that into consideration. I and Corey, I'm not telling you it's right. I'm not telling you that I think it's right. I think championships really should matter. But I think what ends up happening is they look at it and they say, hmm, we could put TCU in the top four. Or we could get the largest brand in all of college football and put Hmm. them in as the number four seed and make way more money. And they're most likely a better team. And I think they're going to put them in. I, I just, I do. I really do. Do I have any faith in the committee to make good sound decisions no i don't and i think they will value a very close loss to ohio state from michigan over tcu having lost to a far inferior uh, opponent and then winning the big 12 championship i do that's just my personal belief i really do so now i agree I agree with you that the committee probably will take into account the brand of a Michigan if they were to be the the one loss team in that situation. They will take into account the the fan base and and the talent that they just believe is on the team. But to be devil's advocate here from our side of the argument, Ethan, sure Michigan might only have one win that is just barely outside the top ten. But let's say TCU plays Kansas State in the Big 12 champ. Let's say TCU loses this weekend to Baylor and then beats Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, and that's how they get their one-loss Big 12 champ. Kansas State, sitting at 15 right now, earns an extra loss, falls further in the rankings, while Penn State more than likely wins out and stays at only two losses. So sure, Michigan might only have one top 25 win, but the one win was in absolute dominating fashion, and it's a better win than either of the two on TCU's schedule. So TCU has one extra ranked win, but Michigan, to their side, they'd get the style points and the superior opponent. And the close loss to a top to a top two team in the country. You You can't. I- and and I, I know it drives you crazy, Corey, because you want results on the field to matter. And and they do to a certain extent, but then they don't. And that's how the playoff <laughs> committee that's how the playoff committee has oh, been from man. the very beginning. And I'm not telling you you are the wrong. Committee doesn't respect no, the I want self. you to I want you to hear me when I tell you I don't think your opinion is wrong as far as how you think they should be doing things. I mostly agree with what you're saying, but they won't. We've seen it year after year after year. They don't do it. I I get it. Like I, I understand. And I know that's how this is going to go at the end. Like if it's a neck and neck resumes are at the same, they're going to go with the bigger brand that happens 
in all of college if it sports. was oklahoma been... or texas we wouldn't be having this conversation so then it would be for sure it would be the one lost big 12 champion between texas and oklahoma would be in over the of course of 100 of course we would not be having this com- this conversation would not be taking place it, it just it it really bothers me that the rankings the first half of the year go for oh this team played this team and they have this ranked win. And then at the end of the year, it's like, we now start counting losses mm-hmm. as win. Like mm-hmm. it's a loss. Like mm-hmm. Michigan fans were so upset at when they lost to Michigan state. And it's like, Oh, but we lost by like two points. And Michigan state fans were like, they won the game. They mm-hmm. won the, that's what matters. Like, I don't. I don't like that it, the criteria changes depending on what time of the year it is. We need to set something, We're, but that can just be human error. I don't. I don't know, but it's frustrating because you go through these whole rankings through the whole season. And you're like, oh, we have to do resume. We have to do criteria. We have to do this, this, and that. And then you get to the end of the year at the most important time, making your playoff, and it's like this team just looks better. Mm-hmm. What? It's it's not a perfect science by any means but i want to mention something i don't i don't want to just focus on michigan because i think actually that this argument with these rankings actually is better for ohio state as a one loss team than michigan because because look who's creeped into the rankings now notre dame at 18 so michigan as a one loss team only has one impressive ranked win Ohio State as a close one loss, uh, a close loss to Michigan has Penn State and Notre Dame who as wins on who, their but side. But it's a home loss. Be, it's a home loss. Who, it's by way the different. Way, if it's close, they'll do the same argument. Who, by the way, that Notre Dame team beat the two best teams in the ACC right now. It's North impo- Carolina and Clemson. Exactly. It, it's impossible to win on the road. It top top ten matchups. It doesn't happen. Teams don't win on the road in top ten matchups in college football. So if Michigan goes into the shoe and wins a close game by a field goal in that game, you can't. I I just I see what you're saying. Ohio State would get I see in. what you're saying. They'd have a more impressive I see resume. What you're saying, and and I hear you. It's in my opinion, it's going to be much harder to make an argument to put them in because of the fact that they were the home team. I would say the exact same thing about Michigan, I promise. If if Michigan was at but home, I'd say the same argue, thing. But you could argue that Ohio State's win over Penn State is more impressive because it was on yeah. the road. So you could say, oh, yeah, they had a home loss to Michigan, but it was close, and they already proved to us that they could go on the road against a really talented team. Yeah, but I, I think that what balances that out is the fact that Michigan beat Penn State over the head with a bowling pin. But and, that was at home. But it was at right. home. And then Ohio State went and won what was, I, I'm i using my eyeballs here, a close game against yeah. Penn State he's, on the road. He's at the end of the year rankings right now. I am. I, I, <laughs> listen. Okay, so Ethan, one loss TCU, Big 12 champ, one loss Ohio State, close game to Michigan. Who, who do you think deserves to get in and who do you think would get in? I, I think Ohio State. In, and I think that's my answer to both of those questions because I Whoa. think okay, because so I think because so I think they're I th- I think they're a better team 
I, I think they're a better team than TCU. And I think if TCU were to lose to a team like Baylor, you're done. You, you have, you've killed yourself. Yeah. If you lose to a what's, team like Baylor, you're done. Like that, what's, that's uh, just TCU's it. TCU's last game of the year. It's not Baylor. They got one. No, they play Baylor that. this, this Saturday. They play Iowa state after Baylor. So two teams they shouldn't lose to. So if TCU were to drop one of those, they'd have a worse loss than Michigan or Ohio State, assuming neither of them trips up before they get to and each can other. And can we all admit something here? The top I, – I, ju- I just want to have this conversation quickly. The top three teams in the country are the top three teams in the country. The yeah. three teams that are ranked one, two, three, they are the best three teams. And then – Right now. I, I think – Tennessee could be in that conversation. I think if a couple things go their way, Alabama could be in that conversation. Oh my! If, if and, Alabama squeaks, no, no, their no, way no, 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 no. That's not at all what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're missing the point. I'm Sorry, just saying I'm... from what our eyeballs tell us, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, top three teams in the country. Can yep. we all agree on that? We are in, in agreement on that. And I think that's a big reason why they should all be in the playoff. And I get Michigan and Ohio State play each other, and then one of them's not going to go. But I I honestly, I really think that the argument can be made that, okay, yeah, they played each other, but now we're going to get to see what they do on a neutral field. So I think one last thing to throw out here. And I think it's the elephant in the room that nobody has brought up so far. USC, who's currently not viewed as one of these elite teams in the country, they're sitting at number seven right now. Okay. And they're a one-loss team who the last two games on their schedule, listen to this, last two games on their schedule, UCLA, who's at 16, and Notre Dame, who's at 18. If they were to win both of those games and win the Pac-12 they deserve to be in. They get yeah. in easily. So if you are a Michigan, I just want to I just want to throw State, something in here very quickly. They won't. They most likely won't. I don't think they will either. But if they, but if you're a Michigan or Ohio State fan, you need to be lose, rooting for a, a USC yeah. loss in either of those two games or in the Pac-12 championship, because then the three best teams in the Pac-12 would all have two losses, Oregon, and UCLA, they don't get and USC. In. And they don't get anyone in. Right. That is, that's the last bit. Like, we're all talking about you, you uh, TCU, and USC is just kind of chilling in the corner right now, saying to themselves, we still control our own destiny when it comes and they, to USC. They, and listen, they absolutely do. If they, if they win out, they will be in. Like that, they will have a really, really good resume at that point with one loss to Utah, which they most likely will have avenged in the Pac-12 championship game. So there's no way at that point that you could keep them out. Will that happen? No. I give it maybe a 10% chance of them winning out. I really don't think it's going to happen. USC has a horrible <clears throat> defense, mm-hmm. and they are they are just TCU, but a blue blood, a blue blood uh, brand. That's what they are. I think but, TCU. But, I think TCU would beat them by ten plus points. Okay. Well, there we go. I think TCU is a far better team than you than USC. But does the committee think that? 
Well, as of right now, yeah. Right. Look at the rankings. They have, they yeah. have the one loss. But the if, one thing if, if TCU has a one loss and USC has a one loss, like next week, mm-hmm. who's the better team? It's gonna be USC. They're gonna shoot up. So the yep. one thing I I just have to bring up, you guys, about the CFP rankings that irks me every week. I talk with every single week I end up talking with my father in law about it because we both hate it. Is the fact that you see these head to head matchups and a team wins Washington and they beat Oregon on the football field and then they're still ranked below them. <laughs> I just don't get it. It happens every single it's happened three weeks in a row. It has happened where a team has beaten another team in the top 25 and not passed them in the rankings. But please, please, this is not NFL power rankings, people. This is not what that is. I, I can't. It's the one thing in the rankings that absolutely drives me insane. And look at Washington and Oregon. They're within a couple spots. Just flip-flop them. Just flip-flop them, please. It I, I, I had to get that out of the way. I cannot stand it. Please get rid of it. That was a home loss for Oregon too, and and Washington doesn't pass first them. Team, right? what, what, the committee's like, yeah. oh, Oregon still a better team. Nope, I just used my eyeballs and watched them play on a football field, and they lost. <laughs> I watched it. We're we're probably we're probably putting more thought into this podcast than they are into these rankings. It's annoying. Sad. Put us put us on the committee. Gosh dang it! Would we have the same top yes. four right now? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's all that matters. <laughs> I, I guess it is. I guess the, it is. the rest of it does not matter. They don't end up getting the the five and the six don't play each other in a bowl game every year, and the seven and the eight. That's not how it works. You get invited to a bowl. It's all about brand. So it's all about brand, yeah. baby. All about brand. Um. All right. So let's move from the playoff into this weekend's games and. We're going to start off with a team we haven't mentioned yet. A team we haven't mentioned because they fell out of the CFP rankings. They were up there. They were in the top 25. They were having a Cinderella story season. And then with a chance in back-to-back home games to practically clinch a spot to go to Indianapolis, the Illinois, I'm going to leave out the fighting, Illini lose two games in a row to inferior opponents, and this week it was the Purdue Boilermakers who go into Champaign and win thirty-one to twenty. Before Corey, before Corey gets to go off about this, which that's fine, I'm prepared for it, and that's okay. I just need to point out that they are exactly what I said at the beginning of the season that they can't be. Purdue has, but it doesn't matter because they're going to go to Indianapolis. They're not. They're not. I I honestly think Iowa might. <laughs> I really do. Corey, take Listen, it away. Listen, I I don't really have anything to take it away with because this is the most frustrating team in the Big Ten outside of Illinois. You can be really frustrated with that. This team was dog water for the past three weeks. Aiden O'Connell was an absolute sieve of a quarter. This man couldn't throw a pass. 
And then all of a sudden, what do they do? The spoiler maker comes out and they play the game of their life. Everything was clicking. Maccabee had over 100 yards rushing in this game. Aiden O'Connell played like the Aiden O'Connell we expected. And their tight end, Payne Durham, is a freak. He's nasty. Whenever they needed a big play, they went to him. And, of course, you have Charlie Jones, who's been literally the best receiver in the Big Ten this year, yardage-wise, I'll say. Not spectacular catch-wise. That belongs to somebody else in a different team that wears scarlet and silver. Um, He's also the best wide receiver in the country. Yes, on the planet um, in college football. But besides the point, you just wish – as Ethan says, this team could put it all together because you've seen what they can do when they are clicking on all cylinders. And, and they, they played pretty good defensively. They played very well defensively. That is what you need when your season is on the line and you are playing for something at the end of the year. And Purdue did that. The frustrating thing is just that they could. this could have been simpler. You could have, you could have been in a position where you didn't need to win this game. And you would have been fine. But I, I guess that's not how Purdue wants to to do this ever. Ugh. What a good. The, the Big Ten West is the most frustrating thing of all time. And like, it, it makes, you know what it does? I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. It makes me not care. It makes me not care about them. Yes. Because yes. it's going to be the exact same thing as last year. They're going to have to play Michigan, or they're going to have to play Ohio State, whoever wins that trash division, and they're going to get beat by 30 points in the Big Ten championship game. None of those teams are anywhere close to as good as Michigan or Ohio State. And I don't care if Michigan or Ohio State plays a horrible game. They can out-personnel you in every facet of the game. Just like just like Ohio State did against Penn State. Ohio State played really bad for like three quarters and still won. And that is what's gonna happen in the Big Ten championship game. Does it does it make any difference? So let's just say everything holds. Purdue as as it stands today probably has the best chance to go to Indianapolis right now. They have the worst remaining schedule left. They play Northwestern and uh, Indiana. Um, so if they don't win those two games, obviously, like, horrible. They shouldn't. They shouldn't go anywhere if they lose either of those games. Um, does it concern you that if they go to Indianapolis, this is essentially a home game for them? No. It's neutral? No. No, it will not be a home no, game. It will not be a home game. Ohio State and Michigan fans travel like nobody's business and they will pack that stadium i think it'll be more even than you think and that's it, fine the same thing happened last year with iowa and michigan but michigan took over that stadium oh no michigan took over yeah so that that was like a that was like an 80 20 sort of a thing going on you're gonna see the exact same thing i don't know because when when will <laughs> when will purdue ever go back or has been in that position that's like the Drew Brees era. I, I personally, they don't have to travel. They just have to buy the ticket. Like it, it's completely different world here in Big Ten country basketball edition because Indiana and Purdue run this state. Now, if Purdue somehow figures out a way to get to Indianapolis, 
those Purdue fans will show out. And I think it'll be way – It won't matter, though. Okay, that's fine. But And we've just talked about it. They've played spoiler maker. This is the perfect spoiler maker recipe that is unfolding before our eyes. They're going to get a top two team that's going to come in there, and it's going to be a, a practically a home game for them, and they're going to get their best shot. And Ohio State has lost to Purdue in the past. Michigan hasn't played Purdue when they're any good, so we don't know. But I just – I don't know. It doesn't make sense. This team doesn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense Saturday. It doesn't make any sense when they beat a Michigan State last year coming off the biggest win ever. Not ever, but like a huge win of their season, and Michigan State could control their own destiny. And they said, "Nope, we're gonna we're gonna take care of that." And it was a home game, and Michigan State couldn't do it. I I know it's what they do, but to me, Michigan and Ohio State are too good. They're just too good for that. Uh, we're talking too much about Purdue, Illinois. What the heck happened? I mean, you you have the nation's leading rusher. You have playmakers at the wide receiver position. I wouldn't say difference makers necessarily, but you have playmakers. You have a defensive secondary that's one of the best in the country, if not the best secondary in the country, and two weeks in a row at home. You said it, Ethan. It is difficult to lose at home in college football. Illinois found a way to do it. In this game, get this, what have we been talking about with Purdue, actually, at the beginning of the year? Their problem was they wouldn't run the ball, and the problem was their defense was super inconsistent. They held Chase Brown to under 100 rushing yards. First time he's been held under that all year. Cannot happen. Completely unacceptable, but continue. And Purdue ran for 142 yards as a team. They outrushed Illinois in their house. And it's not like Purdue was playing perfect football. First three drives of the game, turnover on downs, missed field goal, and an Aiden Connell interception. That was how Purdue started this game, and Illinois couldn't take advantage of the mistakes. Either they were turning turning it over on downs, or, I I mean, they were just finding ways for drives to stall out because Purdue was stopping the run, their bread and butter. They couldn't get in front of the chains enough to keep drives going. And it's just – I was rooting for Illinois so hard because I wanted there to be a really good team in the Big Ten West, and there's just not going to be one. Whoever wins the Big Ten West is going to be a bad football team, and that's just how the story's going to go. 12 penalties on Illinois, too, uh, icing on the cake. and That was a horrible game, by the way. Horrible. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, it was so bad. Illinois got the wrong end of this doesn't matter you should have been up by two touchdowns you should have been but you you can though and you can't always do this you can directly attribute one touchdown to officiating because Aiden O'Connell should have had his second INT of the day and they took it away off of a bogus pass interference and then Purdue scored a touchdown the next play off of a crazy throw he threaded the needle on that Uh, I don't know who it was but the Illinois uh, defensive, it literally went right through his hands. If he just held his hands, squeezing together just a centimeter, that would have been a pick. But perfectly in the breadbasket of Charlie Jones. It was unreal. So you're absolutely right. You can't 100% blame the refs. But they had an effect on this game. But Illinois, it shouldn't have been that close. Shouldn't have been that close. So Purdue now 
uh, here's some scenarios in the Big Ten West. If Purdue wins both games and Iowa loses, they're in the Big Ten championship game. If Iowa wins out and Illinois loses one more, Iowa Iowa play? I'm looking that up right now. I don't know who Iowa plays. I got plays. it right now. They play Minnesota in Minnesota. The under, the over under for that game is like thirty something, thirty two yeah. or something like that. The lowest it ever yeah. since they started doing it in nineteen ninety five. And then they got Nebraska at home. Okay. And then Illinois, if they win both and Purdue loses one, Illinois is still in. And get this, Minnesota has a chance to make it to oh. this game. If they were to win both, Lord, please and no. Illinois and Purdue both lose one, please no, please, please, please no. So we'll see how this shakes out, but it's going to be absolutely crazy. Um, O'Connell threw for two thirty-seven, three touchdowns and the one pick. Maccabi one hundred six yards on the ground and a touchdown, and then Durham had of course. He he was insanely clutch for them. So yeah, Purdue goes in, plays spoiler maker. What's new? <laughs> Uh, someone that didn't play spoiler maker, Indiana, they go to Ohio state and get absolutely rocked. Ohio state wins that one 56 to 14. Uh, okay. One takeaway for Indiana before we talk about Ohio state. So the more important team, why hasn't Dexter Williams been the starting quarterback? Because they're year? a terribly coached team and their coach likes to make really stupid decisions based off of gut feeling. And I like this kid. So Connor Bazelak got benched, and Dexter Williams came in and drove them right down the field for a touchdown and led the team in rushing on the day. Uh, sorry, where where's he been all year? You could have used him in a couple of games. But I digress because Indiana sucks. Let's talk Ohio State. Uh, Ethan, yeah. Ohio State kind of showed that they could run the ball in crappy weather in this mm-hmm. game, and I think they needed to prove that. Yeah, and, and they definitely did, and then they lost Mayan Williams. And say whatever you want if you're Ryan Day or whatever, but anytime a player gets carted off the field for a leg injury and then has to wear a boot, uh, that has to be a concern. And even if he does come back, I'm not convinced that he's going to be 100%, especially not in two weeks. So um, I think, honestly, the biggest story of this game was... Ohio State losing Mayan Williams. And I know that seems like, what are you talking about? They absolutely dominated Indiana. Yeah, so would a team of high schoolers. So, I I mean, Indiana's a terrible football team. They're horrible. And I don't want to hear an argument to the contrary. And you did exactly what you should have done. And, I I mean, if you just go, like, if you look at what happened in this game, I mean, C.J. Stroud threw for 300 yards and five touchdowns with 17 completions. So he was throwing it. The wide receivers were catching it and then running rampant. Their their yeah. yards after catch were absolutely insane. I, I mean, Marvin Harrison had a 135 through the air and a touchdown. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. So I I honestly think that like yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. Best wide receiver in the country. Um, yep. Nobody else really did much as far as like production goes because he didn't throw a ton of passes. I, I mean, Stover had, you know, three receptions for 45 yards and two touchdowns. But 
I honestly think that the biggest story of this game is Mayan Williams getting hurt. But that that is it for me. I and I I truly do believe that. And they if they don't have a ground game, yes, they can outpass any team in the country. I do believe that, but that's not Ryan Day's coaching style. So, we'll see. Yeah, there's not much to say other than the fact that I mean, it's We've been saying this all year. It's very clear who the two best teams in the Big Ten are, and it's very clear how wide the margin is, and a game like this really shows you that. Um, This was probably the first game where Ohio State was able to run the ball, like you said, Ethan, however they wanted to, but then Mayan Williams gets hurt, gets carted off the field, and I said this from the beginning. Travion Henderson did not look good, and Mayan Williams took that starting job, and Travion Anderson had a great year last year. He's a very good player, um, but isn't the same this year. So now you figured it out on the on the ground with Mayan, but he's not going to be what he was before this injury for the rest of this year. Or you can almost guarantee season. he's not going to play against Maryland. Yeah, no, I don't think he will either. But you kind of have to start from square one. How do we reestablish this running game with a new bell cow in the backfield? Um, and I think that's going to be a struggle. But Ohio State's never had to focus on that because they can just pass the ball whenever they want, and they can they can light up the scoreboard in that in that way. It. I don't want to talk about Michigan versus Ohio State because there's so many things to do. But it's like these two teams on the offensive side of the ball are polar opposites. Michigan hasn't had to pass because they've just been consistently running the ball down your throat. Ohio State hasn't had to run because they've been consistently passing the ball. At some point, which is going to win out? And that's what we're all going to be waiting for in two weeks. Is it going to be the running game of Michigan that is just hard-nosed, stubborn almost, or is it going to be the electricity of the Ohio State passing game? I don't, I don't have any clue. I don't have any sense of direction of where that's going to go, but – All I know and what I've been preaching ever since I started watching football, one-dimensional teams will always figure out a way to be exposed. Mm -hmm. And it it looks like right now we have two very, very good Big Ten college football teams that are one-dimensional in different ways. Uh, And I will just say this. The typically what ends up happening is the team that can't run loses. In that situation, if you don't have a ground game, if you don't have a ground game, you can only withstand so many three and outs and three and outs. You're way, way more likely to have a three and out if you're only passing the ball than you are if you're if you're running it. So that's that's what I would say about that. But Ohio State's a really, really good team. We are nitpicking. We're nitpicking. Oh, yeah. When it comes to the great, the great, the elite teams like a Michigan and Ohio State, nitpicking is warranted, yeah, and it's do. a good thing. You want to be able to nitpick. And your we're gonna team we're gonna get to they're... Michigan here in a minute, and I'm gonna do the same thing to them. So, it we we are 100. percent Just to emphasize Ohio State's dominance on the ground in this game: 340 yards rushing as a team, average 7.9 a carry. Absolutely freakish numbers. Like you said, we'll see if they have either of Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams back for Maryland. 
Um, they said the more likely of the two is Henderson to be back. So we'll see if that happens. Quickly, before we move on from this game, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Cameron Babb story. So if you weren't able to see this uh, live or see a video of it, Cameron Babb is a fifth-year senior for Ohio State. And they put him in uh, when the game was kind of in hand, uh, but Stroud was still playing. And they had him go out there and run a routing and catch a touchdown. And, you know, woohoo, whatever, Ohio State scored another touchdown. This was a little bit more significant. Cameron Babb is a fifth-year senior. He was a former top 100 recruit. He's been voted as a captain twice, but the kid has torn his ACL four times since he's been at Ohio State. Two on his right ACL, two in his left, and just has been unable to stay on the field. He wears the, the number zero, which for Ohio State as a team, it's like their block O. It's very significant. So he's super well-respected in that team in that locker room. And that was his first career touchdown. It was such a cool moment if you got to watch it. He like fell to his knees and was crying and his teammates were hugging him. And it was just a whole celebration on the sideline for him. So kudos to Cameron Babb. Stories like that are what make me just fall more in love with college football. Uh, so I wanted to mention that before we moved on. But but let's get to it. Let's get to the Michigan game, the team that we are also going to nitpick. Michigan beats Nebraska 34-3. to this was probably the most boring 31-point blowout you're ever going to see. Um, there weren't a ton of explosive plays for Michigan, even on the ground game. It was it was more so the six, seven yards a carry as opposed to almost what they did to Penn State, which was have these big, long, explosive runs for touchdowns. Uh, early on in the game, Michigan was trying to air it out. They were testing that that deep, explosive passing game but the problem still remains the same. And we've talked about it. Their receivers just, they, they're not difference makers. They're not going to go out there and just make a guy miss and get three yards of separation, win a 50-50 ball. It's just not happening for the offense right now. So, and, and if it's not happening against a Nebraska, you wonder if they can pull something out of a hat when they go to play an Ohio State. So, that was still something to be disappointed in. The red zone offense, though, was better. They got much more creative with their red zone offense and the play calling. It it feels like what Michigan always does, right? They kind of have things in their playbook that they just don't even test on the field until they get close to Ohio State. That way they have as little on film for them as possible. So the red zone offense, big improvements in terms of the effectiveness and getting the end zone and not settling for field goals, but uh, passing game still leaves you with something to be desired. Yeah, I, I really thought that this was going to be an opportunity for Michigan to go out there and to experiment in the passing game. Um, Northwestern's secondary has been horrible this year. and Nebraska. Nebraska. Or, I'm sorry. Nebraska's secondary has been horrible this year. And to see the stats on this game, you know, and you look at it and you've got JJ McCarthy who completed eight passes, eight of 17 for 129 yards and two touchdowns. I I just, I get it. You don't have to, you don't have to pass the ball against these teams and you just are a clock whore and you just absolutely mow down on the play clock and on the game clock. And you, 
own the time of possession. It, the game was never in doubt from the opening kick. But it was just one of those really boring games. And I mean, Blake Corum is Blake Corum. He's a Heisman candidate. He's absolutely unbelievable. He got his numbers. But I I, I, I don't know. I, it just felt like one of those opportunities where you could kind of you could put something on film that would make Ohio state have to respect your pass game. Um, and I think that's kind of important right now because I think Ohio state is going to do nothing but dare you to pass in that game and just load the box with nine guys. Now, even when that has happened against Michigan so far this year, they still have been able to run the ball and Nebraska did it. Nebraska loaded the box and tried their absolute hardest to stop the run. And the guys who were calling the game kept talking about it. The offensive linemen were five yards downfield every play. And so, I mean, yeah, sure, you can big boy your way out of that game. But I was underwhelmed by what I saw from Michigan and would have loved to see more in the passing game. I think they tried. I mean, they tried. And it didn't work. And you saw them get away from their identity. And the first few drives, I mean, that game, it was never in question, but it was more close than you would want a home game against Nebraska to be within those first few quarters. And they tried to push the ball down the field. It wasn't successful. Receivers dropping the ball, McCarthy not being able to put it where he wants to put it, conditions. <laughs> the the one week where they finally decide to pass the ball a little bit, it the conditions definitely are not very ideal for them. I'm not making an excuse because – Everybody, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So they went back to their identity, and what happened? They won the game 33-3, to or whatever the heck it was. Um, Blake Corm had the quietest 150 rushing yards I've ever seen. Like, he averaged, like... 162, 162 to be exact. Even so. I was like, this guy didn't run for, like, more. He didn't have a, a run longer than, you know, 20-something yards or something like that. And then it was, like, the third quarter. Yeah. It's like, he's got 140? It's like... I've been watching this whole game. I couldn't have realized that Michigan suffocates their opponent. Mm-hmm. Suffocation isn't the isn't the sexiest. It's not the most exciting. It is a slow and painful death. And when you play a far inferior opponent such as Nebraska or Rutgers, it's just gonna it the air is gonna be let out of the there stadium, might be balloon, whatever it may be. There might be six teams in the country that Michigan could not win a game like they just did against Nebraska against. Maybe. There might be only five. Georgia's one of them. Yeah, of course. Georgia's one of them. I think Ohio State is one of them. Um, I would put Tennessee in there. You couldn't do that against Tennessee. Well... Oh, I think yeah, they can do it against you might. Tennessee. You might be. You just hang on to the ball for the whole game. You don't let Tennessee take the field. And Tennessee's defense. There's, yeah, Tennessee's defense by the end of the game is hemorrhaging. And Michigan's defense. Let's let's not let the game scoot by without mentioning that. I mean, they again shut them out in the second half. I think that's 117 to three now in the past like four games in the second half that they're blowing out opponents. And yes, strength of competition, you can bring that up all day long. But the fact that they haven't even slipped up like once this year against an opponent 
inferior or not, like, for example, Penn State, it's extremely impressive, extremely impressive the way that they are playing. So kudos to that defense for being way better than I thought they'd be. And they might be better than last year's defense, to be honest. So I don't think again, there's we're I don't a, think there's a better unit in college football as far as how well they play together. Correct. That defense is so well coached and plays so fundamentally sound. It's like watching a really, really fundamentally sound college basketball team. And I know that sounds like a weird a weird analogy. Yeah, the whole the whole is greater than the sum Co- of the parts. Correct. One hundred percent correct. It, it's like who is really on that defense that's like Wow, they're so good. I think they have players who have the potential to be that. And, and you do have a couple of standout guys, but like they just don't give up. They they suffocate and they're so responsible. They're all so, so responsible in their contain yeah. and everything like that. They, they make you work for every yard you get. Nebraska had 146 total yards of offense. Michigan, as of right now, number one total defense, number one rushing defense, and the number one scoring defense in the country. So Is that good? They're playing lights out, and they're going to have to keep it up when Mm -hmm. they inevitably collide with Ohio State. Next one up, Penn State dominates Maryland. I mean, could there be a team that has been – I I shouldn't say that because there's been a lot of disappointing teams in the Big Ten, but Maryland's got to be up there. What an – what an absolute collapse. And Penn State's defense in this one showed out. They had seven sacks, only allowed 27 yards in the first half against Maryland. Uh, Penn State was up 27 zip at halftime, so they only outscored them three nothing in the second half, but didn't need to have starters out there for very often. It was an absolute beatdown delivered to uh, to Maryland and to Loxley and uh, – just not a good sign for a team that has talent on it to be beaten this bad. Shouldn't happen. It was pretty ugly, but Penn State shows how good of a team they are. <laughs> Nothing. Not, not, there isn't anything to talk about. Maryland is, is a show that they have not been able to take the next step. Penn State is who we think they are, which is the tier two of the Big Ten. Elite the only the only tier two team in the Big Ten, right? Thanks a lot, it, Illinois. Freaking, just unreal. Like, what is what is there to say? They manhandled Maryland. This was supposed to be a rivalry game for Maryland, and no life at all. Ugh. Hey, Sean Clifford became the all-time passing yards leader oh, at Penn good. State. Call me Trace McSorley. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Nick Singleton had 122 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Um, are we done? Is that, is that that That, game? I mean, that is that game. Uh, What else is there to talk about with Penn state is in purgatory. They can't, they can't, I mean, sure. You could get to a good bowl game and I think you could win it, but you didn't show up in your two biggest games of the year. And yeah, this is, I mean, you showed your dominance in this game against a bad team, but ay, ay, ay. Penn State is just their little game Penn State. They they win all the little Ooh. games and none of the significant ones. 
I like that nickname. I like that nickname. Let that let's let that one stick. Little, little game James. Uh, little game James, baby. Little game mm-hmm. James. Oh, I like it. All right, moving on then. Let's go to a game that was relatively fun to watch. I think it was a fun game to watch. Iowa, Wisconsin. Iowa trounces Wisconsin. They win 24 to 10. Uh, I just want to say, too, in terms of a uniform game, this was beautiful. Iowa wore their all blacks, and black and gold just never looks bad. And Wisconsin wore their all whites, which white and red never looks bad. It, it was a an absolutely pristine uniform matchup to watch on television. That's a good take. That's a very um, good take. Thank you. Thank you. Iowa's defense and special teams, they made the difference in the game. I mean, it's the same old story for them. <clears throat> the three touchdowns that Iowa scored in this game, one came off of a blocked punt that gave him a short field. One was a DeGene pick six. And the other one, DeGene, again, had a 41-yard punt return that put them at the Wisconsin 18. Like, those were the three touchdowns for Iowa. I don't think any offensive drive that was a scoring drive lasted longer than, you know, 25 yards or whatever. So Graham Mertz turned it over three times. This was kind of my reasoning for picking Iowa to end the points in this game was I just thought Graham Mertz would – Graham Mertz against Iowa's defense would make more mistakes than Petrus against Wisconsin's defense, and it happened. Iowa might be the greatest what if story from at least in the Big Ten circle, but maybe even in the country if you're paying attention to this team. Their starting quarterback in this game, in a in a game where you win twenty four to ten against a fairly respectable Big Ten team, he had ninety four passing yards. If as the total yards, sorry, sorry, the total yards in this game, Wisconsin was beaten twenty four to ten. Wisconsin, 227 total yards of offense. Iowa, 146. Go if ahead, they had a mediocre offense, <laughs> they'd, they'd be sitting somewhere smack dab in the middle of the college football playoff rankings. A mediocre Oh, yeah, they'd be offense. close to Penn State. And yet somehow – and they are still alive to win the Big Ten. I don't think they will. I think they'll lose to Minnesota on the road because they have a mediocre offense. But holy smokes! If you, what do you think if you're an Iowa fan this season? Are you happy that you're six and four? Are you furious that no. you're six and four? Yes, Are, yes. Like, uh, how I, do you I, not? How do you not address any of your offensive woes in the transfer portal in the off season? How? How do you not? How do you not? Uh, yeah, if you're an Iowa fan, you should be absolutely livid at what your team is because you are wasting not only did they not you are wasting a top three defense in the country you might as well pick it up ball it up and throw it in the garbage it's horrible not only did they not address their offensive woes with the transfer portal but charlie jones who is one of the best receivers in the big 10 left iowa in the transfer portal to go to yeah, Purdue. They told like him they he wasn't good enough. Exactly. They but they put him on punt return and was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's where you're going to stay." Put him on special teams and he was like, "Nah, I'm going to go ball out over at Purdue even though we're still going to be mediocre." But you had 
Charlie Jones to pair with Sam Laporta as two elite conference offensive weapons to at least give Petrus some some hope of being successful. Perference needs to be fired. Wow. It's time. Do you do you think that happens? No. But it, okay, it I don't needs think so either. To. I think Brian Ferentz will be fired. I don't think Kirk will. I think he no. might leave if they make him fire his son. That's actually a fair point. He'll which, move point. which they will. He has to go. He he'll, must. He'll yeah. move him to yeah. some like overseer or recruiting something. Or one another. Offensive he's not going to get fired. He will get. He will be out of that position, but he's not going to get fired. No way. You might be right. You might be right. I can tell you uh, this: Braylon the Allen only place have... he's going to get hired for anything to do with football is Iowa. So true. Graham Mertz had 176 yards, one touchdown, but the three turnovers, uh, two interceptions, <clears throat> and a fumble for him. Braylon Allen only had 40 yards rushing. I mean, just goes to show you how elite this Iowa defense is. And you gave Petrus's numbers. They were extremely poor and underwhelming, but they got out of there with a win, and it's all that matters. Uh, last two games, MSU beats Rutgers 27-21. This game, after going on the road and beating Illinois, Michigan State, this game should not have been this close at all. Uh, I There's not much to say. I. For whatever reason, I guess I'm kind of happy that Michigan State is salvaging their season a little bit. Get the bowl eligibility. That's cool. That's fine. I'm I'm putting I'm putting I'm burying the hatchet. Okay. I don't care. Like I I like the fact that they are becoming respectable again. So throwaway season. You're figuring out a way to right the ship. Uh, maybe respectable isn't the right word. You're writing the ship. You're winning football games again in a very bad Big Ten season. Um, so, cool. Go to your bowl game, the Boca Raton Bowl, or whatever the heck it is, and be cool with it. The one thing I want to say, and the only thing that I'm taking away, is for our nonsense section, uh, this game made it onto Scott Van Pelt's bad beats, uh, solely because Rutgers was able to cover due to a 4th and 28 conversion for a touchdown in the last 30 seconds of the game. The the ultimate definition of a bad beat. That should have never happened. It, uh, what was his name? Wimsat threw it into double coverage. And it was, it was kind of a dime, yeah. if you're looking at it. It was like the best pass of the game. And sorry if you bet Michigan State to cover. Um, you lost... If it's gonna happen to if it's gonna happen to any secondary, it's, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be Michigan them. State secondary. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be Michigan State secondary. Gavin Wimsat threw for this is this is the Rutgers quarterback stat line: twenty for thirty-four, two hundred thirty-six yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. That only happens against Michigan State secondary. <laughs> the kid, the kid I, okay, balling. so there there's now that we're on to nonsense. There's something I forgot to bring up while we were talking about the Michigan game. I can, I, 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 this has to, well, I say this has to stop, but it's something I find so hilarious. And it's the things that commentators get away with saying when describing a football game. During the Michigan Nebraska game, Michigan got a stop on, I think it was fourth down. 
and it was on a short run and Michigan stopped Nebraska. And the commentator said that the Michigan defensive line has been impregnable all game. And I just, I, what? Like, just (laughs) not even close to a good enough reason to say the word impregnable. I just can't. I just can't. And it's like, Sean McDonough used to, he got rid of it. Sean McDonough used to say, and he walks unmolested into the end zone. Oh, when no. a player when a player wouldn't get touched in on his way like into the end zone like oh just a huge gap by like uh, an offensive line he would say he walks unmolested into the end zone. What? I will say my wife's favorite part of watching football with me is hearing how often the commentators say the word penetration. Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> He, he, the the defensive line is getting so much penetration. Look at how the running back penetrated that hole in the offensive it, it line. It is. She looks at me every single time and is like, um, what are you watching? <laughs> oh, football. That's what I'm watching. Oh, oh sports. Oh, sports ball. Sports ball. Um, you, all right, yeah, so Michigan State Rutgers. Ball. hey So, yeah, this game was too close. It was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. And Rutgers almost made it a four-point game, but then Michigan State. Oh, we're blocked still their talking about this down. game. I'm I'm wrapping it up. I'm putting the bow on this game so we can so can we can I, move can on. I end? We've only got one more. Can to go I end after the game? This, I, I have. I just have one comment about not Rutgers, Michigan State. We're done with this game. I'm making the executive decision. I'm the editor, so I'm going to do that. Uh, we're moving to Nebraska. Minnesota, I think we can all be in agreement that uh, Northwestern should be relegated from the Big Ten. Um, and anyone who thought that they were going to be anything is a big, fat idiot um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but I looked at this stat line just again. It made my eyes It's you, bleed. Alex. It's you. you this stat there. line made my eyes bleed. Mount Kilimanjaro was starting quarterback for Minnesota. He wasn't good. But you know who is good? Mo Ibrahim <laughs> is very good. 154 yards, continuing with his streak of over 100 yards per game, and the man scored three touchdowns. That's the only thing you need to know. If you tried to watch this game as a Northwestern fan, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. They are a horrible, horrible football team. And you guys they are getting be, a new stadium. You're getting a new stadium. They should be going away for a very long time. And a so new coach. So they don't have to hurt the children anymore. It's, he's, oh my gosh! I mean, does doesn't he have to be fired? Yes. No, the expectations aren't high enough for him to be fired. Expectations rule. Yeah, but dude, college you're football about, coaching. You're about to move into a new stadium, and I think that that means more than you realize. But listen, but li- but listen to this. Okay, this is my case as a someone who believed in this team before the season. Evan Hall, Cam Porter, and Brendan Sullivan, your true sophomore quarterback who should have been starting from the beginning of the year. You got a nice trio of talent there, and I think they'll see it out for at least one more year. Are you trying to find a silver lining with this Northwestern team? He absolutely is. I'm not going to lie. 
I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm wearing my Northwestern shirt right now on, under my. Hoodie. He's fired. He's fired from the podcast. <laughs> Alex, go away. You're relegated. Uh, so Minnesota beat Northwestern thirty-one to three. We didn't say the score. It but, don't. But that's it what happened. Ibrahim is is him. That's it. Good for him. He's going to be a great NFL running back. I think. He is Mo Ibra. All right, him. we're moving on. Go to the picks, please. I'm going to punch you in the face. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, coin. The coin won this week. Uh, went four and three. I came up on the tail end of things at two <laughs> and five. And Corey, you and I are now tied. We're both six games back of Ethan. So we're we're definitely not going to catch him unless a miracle happens. So I'm just battling to stay out of last place now. Mm-mm. I'm gonna the coin. The coin will respond. You're you're done for. Just quit now. Don't even make the picks. I am nervous. I'm you not gonna be. lie. I am nervous. I've got nothing to lose. Uh, Ethan's. Ethan still being in the lead means he gets to uh, make his picks first. So, uh, Ethan, first game on the docket. Illinois travels to Michigan. Michigan is an 18-point favorite. What say you, my guy? Uh, Michigan gets this team at home. Illinois is reeling right now. They're getting exposed in multiple different facets of the game. Michigan's defense does not give up points in the second half. It's something that they have decided that it's just they become remember the Titans in that game that they were intentionally trying to throw. And it it's just the coach is just like, I don't want you to give up another yard. You blitz every play. <laughs> Even though they don't blitz every play, they don't give up points. Michigan covers in this game. I think they win by 20-plus. I'm going to take Michigan to cover two. I think they always tend to show just a little bit more of their playbook as the season gets closer to the Ohio State game, just the way they do things. So I think you're right. It's at home. It's a senior night. That defense is playing at an extremely high level, and Illinois is not right now. So give me Michigan to cover. The coin hath, hath spoken. It says heads. This would be the ultimate trap game if a different season, but this is an unstoppable force meets an immovable object waiting to happen in Columbus. And I don't think Michigan will fail here, but the coin says heads. I flipped. Believe me. Wait, heads means heads Michigan, means right? Michigan. Yes. All right. Clean sweep. Uh, Wisconsin going to Nebraska. Wisconsin is a 13 point favorite. Ethan. Wisconsin is a 13-point favorite over Nebraska. And this is this they is are. in Nebraska? In Lincoln. Not sure if Casey Thompson's healthy. Don't care. That crowd is always insane. Wisconsin is bad. So is Nebraska. But if you're going to give me almost two touchdowns, I'm going to take it. Give me Nebraska and the points. Uh, I definitely should take Nebraska. Logic is telling me... Casey Thompson's not playing. Nebraska's defense is a little bit better. But Wisconsin's defense played really good against Iowa. If it wasn't for an incredible defensive and special teams Listen effort, to what you just said. That, what? Wisconsin's defense played really good against Iowa. So would, <laughs> so would your grandma and my siblings would have a great defensive game plan against Iowa. 
Yeah, but without Casey Thompson, Nebraska's Go offense do is it. still – Go ahead. Take them, please. please. I want you to. All right, I'm taking okay. Wisconsin. I'm taking Wisconsin. I'm getting games yeah. up on you. I'm taking Alex, Wisconsin. I'm really happy because the coin the coin says Nebraska, so it went tails. Frick! So, sorry about it. Gosh dang it. What a, what a All right. idiot. Next game. Northwestern travels to Purdue. Purdue is minus 20. Oh, gosh. That's a lot of points. Oh, See, I'm still so stuck on what Northwestern did against Ohio State. But then they got their teeth kicked in by Minnesota. Purdue, please just play normal football like you just did this past week. Please. Will they, though? No. And they don't ever put two performances together back-to-back, but I'm going to take them. Give me... You're taking Purdue? Purdue and I'll punt the points. Ugh, it feels so wrong. I'm I'm taking Northwestern. It's too many points, and if Brendan Sullivan is healthy, which I'm crossing my fingers that hopefully he will be, he's an athletic QB. He can get things done late in the game. So uh, give me Northwestern. I don't feel great about it. I I, I don't want this game because Purdue's going to win this game by like three points or something. But the coin says tails, so I got to follow the coin. So Northwestern, I suppose. No, wait. Aren't they the home team? No. No, Purdue's favorite. Heads is favorite. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought it was home away. I thought you were doing home away. Nope, by the points. Indiana travels to Michigan State. Michigan State is a ten and a half point favorite. Ethan. Mm. Indiana's really bad. Like, really bad. And Michigan State has actually shown a pulse the last couple of games. So I think I'm going to fall into the trap that Vegas is 100% setting for you by making this a 10-point spread. And I'm going to take Michigan State and just hope I push it 10 because Indiana is definitely going to keep it within 10. But I'm going to take Michigan State because I'm in. I'm stupid. 10 and a half. 10 and a half. Push? Yeah. 10 and a half. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No push. Michigan State. Give me give me MSU. Yeah, I'm going to take Michigan State, too. I know this Rutgers game was a weird one, but the worst parts of Indiana's team are... <gasps> Wait a second. Indiana's probably going to play Dexter Williams instead of uh, freaking Baselak. <gasps> I totally forgot. I'm changing my pick. I'm picking Indiana. Alex, I'm really happy that you're doing this because the coin says heads, so that means Michigan State. You are just totally – you Frick. are digging yourself a hole or getting yourself out of it, but I have no confidence in you whatsoever. I'll hail the coin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Jesus, I don't have any confidence in there, myself. There's either. a lot of stuff. Oh, there's I, a, we, are, we are all over the place. Me and Corey have been pretty in sync. Uh, for the most part, yeah, for the most part. Ohio State is traveling to for, to uh, Maryland. Ohio State is a 27.5-point favorite, Ethan. I really wish it was 28.5 because then I would take Maryland. Uh, this is in Maryland? Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Ohio State's just so good. And Maryland is really bad. 
Oh, I'm gonna. I'm going uh, to so reluctantly take Maryland in the points here. I really wish it was 28. I really, really do. Uh, but I'm. Gonna... Uh, I am not taking Maryland. I'm taking Ohio State. Maryland's playing their worst football of the year right now. Give me Ohio State. <laughs> Congratulations, Alex. It was tails. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you guys go against each other on every single pick? Not everyone, but oh wait. Do no, not everyone. Game? Not everyone. One uh two more games. Penn State is a nineteen point favorite traveling to Rutgers. Oh um, I'm gonna take Penn State and punt those points. Penn State's looking really, really good right now. Rutgers the same cannot be said. And I, I think Penn State has kind of announced themselves as a very good team. Give me Penn State and I'll punt the points. Yeah, I'm taking Penn State too. That defense is nasty. Rutgers won't have the same kind of performance that they did this week running the ball. Uh, give me Penn State. Coin says heads. We're all going Penn State on this one. So we got to wash. Good old-fashioned. And then last game of the week, Iowa traveling to Minnesota. Minnesota is a three-point favorite in this game. Three-point home favorite. Ethan, who do you got? I think Iowa wins this game outright. So I'm going to take Iowa plus the three. Wow. This their is the defense. Their def- Minnesota does not have a passing game. And I know Mo Ibrahim is very good. I think Mo Ibrahim's 100-yard streak could even continue. And they still lose this game. I agree. I agree. I think Iowa's going to win this game outright, so definitely give me the points. Minnesota's passing game, to your point, is not good with Tanner Morgan, and it's worse without him, and there's no guarantee that he comes back in this game, so give me Iowa. You have no faith in uh, Alan Zach Galifianakis at quarterback? (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay, well, the coin apparently does because it's taken Minnesota. We got a heads here. This is gonna be an this is gonna be an interesting the, week for the standings is, and the picks. This is boys. the Big Ten game of the week, right here. The, what the three? No, 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 no. This Minnesota Iowa games truly. This will win or lose the Big Ten West, or no? This this will decide who's gonna win the Big Ten West. This game right here. I can't wait for Purdue to lose to Northwestern. No, they're gonna lose to Indiana if they lose. I don't think they lose to Northwestern. They they're gonna lose to Indiana. That's how it would be because it would be in so total soul and bone crushing fashion. Win and you're in. Well, we'll win find and out. you're in, and they can't do it. That's what's it's like happen. Minnesota. It's like uh, Wisconsin losing to Minnesota last year. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. That's it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to watch the games this weekend. Follow us on socials at Big Show Pod on Instagram and. Uh, Well, we'll talk to you next week.